Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. In Philly, we're a part of, a, I think, the youngest staff in the NFL. Uh, but that's not really uh, why I'm hiring the people that I'm hiring. It's more so what I'm looking for in the hiring process of who I want the assistants to be, whether it be running the offense or the defense, the position coaches, the quality controls, analysts, assistants, special teams, all that, you know, and, and I'm, you're going to hear me say it all the time is we're looking for the right people uh, with the right capacity and the right character and then people that want to be Cardinals. And um, I'm very confident after, you know, working on this staff for however, you know, five days or whatever, you know, all the work they had done before that, getting ready for this position. But Getting in the seat and then doing that, um, I'm, ex- I'm, ex- I'm very excited about the people we got coming in this building, and and more so, more so than for me, for our players, and uh, they they will get to know those guys and they'll see that too. Jonathan Gannon back on February 22nd when he was starting to put together the staff. That was at one of the press conferences uh, for the coordinators. Nick Rollis, the uh, defensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator. We've had those discussions about these two guys, very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Petzing 35, Rollis 29, the youngest coordinator by far for any NFL team. But the staff has been finalized, Bick. And Jonathan Gannon came in uh, and talked about, I forget the exact terminology, but experience uh, not equaling... What was the phrase he used? Experience, don't mistake experience for knowledge. Yeah, That you don't have to have experience to have knowledge. Well, that seems to be the the thesis statement mm-hmm. for this coaching staff, because my goodness, is it a young well, staff. Well, it is, it, it, and I know you've uh, crunched some numbers on this, but, but I know anecdotally, and I've even written about this, the staff is impossibly young. Impossibly young. And, and there's a couple of dangers here. You and I have already had a conversation, and I know this because we're running a promo on that conversation about how perceptually there's a danger here uh, when you're going up against other teams in the NFL like the 49ers, for instance, with Kyle Shanahan Uh and John Lynch, and then you've got the Seahawks and all that experience dripping off Pete Carroll and John Schneider, and and so you're going up against some real battle-tested regimes, Mm -hmm. and so now you as the Arizona Cardinals are trotting out this young, young, young staff from top to bottom, and what that says is... And when you when you keep saying you don't have to have experience to have knowledge, you're basically saying we're a bunch of super smart young dudes over here that don't need what you have because we have what we need between our ears. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's I'm hoping that's accurate, but you know how that comes off. It comes off like you're the smartest person in the room, and and so you, there's going to be a, a, a target on your back from day one. Absolutely. Okay. So the so That's let's extra motivation without for, a doubt. for the more established coaches without and staffs without a doubt. So let, so and again, it's real easy for Jonathan Gannon to speak commandingly and convincingly right now, which he's doing a great job of. What happens if they're zero and four? 
What does he sound like then? What does the message become then? This is the trick here, okay? When you have an impossibly young staff, there's going to be some good things. You're going to get fresh eyes. You're going to get youth. You're going to get energy. You're going to get guys who who ostensibly want to prove they can do this, knowing that, that this is rare for me to have this job at this age. Drew mm-hmm. Petzing has talked about this. He has said, look, I'm 35, but at the end of the day, I've got to be good at my job. It won't matter if I'm 55 or 35 if I suck i'm not gonna have my job okay and that makes all logically you're like yeah yeah that makes perfect sense but you know how messy this gets in the nfl here's where the cardinals are gonna have issues so you got a new guy like they're a quarterbacks coach i forget the guy's name he's come in he's had he's had a bunch of seasons in college he's never coached in the nfl israel wolfork is that who it is that's the quarterback coach yeah cornerbacks quarter Okay, I want the cornerbacks coach. Corner? Corner. Oh, okay. Uh, that would be Ryan Smith. That's him. 32 years right. old. Right, that's him. No, 32 year old. No NFL coaching. Ryan Smith, okay. no coaching experience, has nine years of experience in college. So, And we know the college game is not the pro game. Mm-hmm. So Ryan Smith's going to roll in and be in charge of a of a second, of a room that's going to you know include some players with some you know Byron Murphy Jr. guys who've got some real NFL experience. And they're going to be looking at these guys going, what can you do for me? And this is where these coaches are going to have to prove it. Because if if you're going to instill accountability, that means you're going to be a forceful coach. It means you're going to be demanding. It means you're going to be uh, vociferous, right? Uh-huh. You're going to command. You're going to have to command their attention, and you're going to have to provide real life consequences to to lack of accountability. However, it surfaces, missing team meetings, speeding on the way to practice, whatever it is, you're going to have to implement that. How does this young staff without that experience do it? How well, does this young staff tell a team full of guys like Buda Baker and other veterans, hey, listen to me, we got your plan. Yeah, and when there's not that promise of early success, we're not projecting great things win-loss-wise for the Cardinals. This very much feels like a, a rebuilding year in many ways. It so does. if you start out 0-4, and the messaging from your coaches, that's when it starts to get down. Like, oh, man, when mm-hmm. we put our faith in these guys and look at the results, right. why should I believe those guys? That's it. You mentioned Ryan Smith. He is one of five coaches on this staff for Jonathan Gannon that has zero NFL coaching experience. Autry Denson, the running backs coach, came from college. Uh, William Pigler, uh, uh, assistant defensive line, zero NFL experience. Ryan Smith, zero NFL experience. Uh, experience. Patrick Tony and uh, Sam Sewell, no experience. In terms of overall combined NFL coaching experience for this staff, 86 years. There's a lot of coaches on the staff. That's not a lot. No, so it's not. The no. second Jonathan Gannon is 40 years old and has 15 years of NFL coaching experience. That's the second most. NFL coaching experience of any member on the staff. Jeff Rogers, the, um, the the held over special teams coordinator, has 19 years. In terms of experience, NFL experience in the position that they will be performing for the Cardinals coaching staff pick, a combined 23 years. <laughs> and 13 of those are Jeff Rogers, who's been a longtime special about, teams okay, coordinator. All right, so, so there you go. So at least the special teams guys know, okay, our coach's been around a while. Yeah, this is, but they are leaning into this. Oh, are they ever? Are they ever? And at one point, Jonathan Gannon did say, hey, there's going to be a lot of members of the staff or some members of the staff that have a lot of experience. 
we haven't seen that yet. And are these guys going to be brought in as consultants? And how much how much of an impact can you make as a consultant? I mean, there's a lot of questions. And, and I'm not saying yeah. this is a death knell that this can't work. But, man, this is a baby of a staff. Yeah, right. That's yes. And and I would think I would think that that bringing in experience just to bring in experience if this if this staff doesn't fully believe that they can do this job, then we're all in trouble. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to be able to 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 provide some results to prove that they actually do have a plan for these guys. So that's everything. And if it's not an issue until it's an issue. If they start off bad or if, if at any point it looks overwhelmed, overwhelming, it will be pointed out by everybody how young and inexperienced they mm-hmm. are. Yes, and at this point, again, I'm not, I'm not giving an opinion. I'm just stating facts on the level of experience that the, these guys have. The Cardinals put that out there in their press release this week. Um, and on the flip side of it, you could say, "Wow, look at the the, the Cardinals' last coaching staff was pretty experienced. Mm-hmm. Experienced, and how did that go?" Didn't go very well. So, no. uh, just just something to put out there. No, food food it, for thought. No, listen. There's other gonna, other yeah. teams around the league are taking notice. Mm-hmm. No doubt, this is going to follow around Jonathan Gannon all year long. The youth of this staff is going to be a thing. It's going to be something they're yeah. going to have to overcome. They're going to have to. They better be as talented as a coaching staff is as Jonathan Gannon thinks they're going to be because it, it's a hard sell to get college players to listen to... Co- I'm sorry, it's a hard thing to get NFL players to listen to college coaches who have never been in the league. Yeah, It was one of the fundamental issues Cliff Kingsbury had. He's like, what, he, he had that vibe of, really, who am I to tell you guys what's what? Yeah, and he was a recognizable name. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, coming up next, Kevin Durant's debut as a son went very well on Wednesday. What can we expect from number 35 in Game 2 in a son's uniform? We'll get into all the possibilities next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. I feel like I fit in pretty well. Um... Everybody, everybody out there is trying to make me as comfortable as possible, coaches and players as well. And, you know, so um, just got to keep keep grinding, man. And you know, this this jersey on me will look normal in a couple, you know, as games go on, as we start to keep building who we are as a team. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, though. It's Kevin Durant following Wednesday's win over Charlotte. First game he played as a uh, Phoenix Sun went well, 23 points for KD in just under 27 mm-hmm. minutes. Uh, expect a similar workload tonight as the Suns are in Chicago to take on the Bulls and one of the reactions to this um, to this big huge trade is a lot of national people kind of worrying about or wondering about Kevin Durant's legacy what does this do Mm -hmm. to Kevin Durant's legacy there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people concerned about that Um, and Vincent Goodwill uh, wrote a piece Kevin Durant debuts with Suns with no regrets and no expectations other than to hoop. Uh, That's on Yahoo Sports. We're going to talk to Vincent Goodwill in the 8 o'clock hour. But the subject of the criticism KD gets from the TNT crew especially, Mm -hmm. Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley, that came up in this interview with Vincent Goodwill. And, um, you know, about them putting a standard on him. His quote was, 
most definitely. Because at this point, they're saying, go play with Scoot Henderson and win a championship, and then we'll give you credit. I don't need uh, credit from y'all, no credit from Barkley, no credit from Shaq. Y'all don't ever have to watch me play ever again. Don't talk about me if you don't rock with me. I'm not going to stop doing what I do. Everybody has their opinions, man. It's not going to stop me in how I approach the game. As far as leading a team, I don't need to coach no team. Whatever happens, we do it together. Monty's the leader. He's the coach. The GM puts the team together. I'm supposed to go out and hoop. That's my job. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the, the reaction? I, to the- I thought it was unbelievable that he name-dropped Scoot Henderson because <laughs> unlike Mungo Beanfield and Hank Cudgley, <laughs> Scoot Henderson's a real person. Yeah. He's a G League player. He's going to be the number two pick in the draft, too, by the way. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. He's phenomenal. Considered like... A tier below Weminyama, but a tier above everybody else. Oh, is that right? Okay. Okay, so uh, I I didn't know he was considered that good of a prospect because I thought Kevin Durant was using him to make a point that I need to lead that kind of guy to get respect. Yes. Which is what he's saying. Basically. Yeah. And I don't think he meant it as disrespect to Scoot Henderson, but that was the name that popped into his head. Yeah, okay. That was very very funny. Um, Look, I think that that these are battles that Kevin Durant has been fighting regularly with the media um, because he, unlike most guys, uh, hits back claps back constantly and he'll call guys out the fact that Kevin Durant is so in tune with what is happening in the media space that he knew in real time to call Charles Barkley out on the fact that prove it to me send me the link that LeBron said those comments that you just paraphrased Mm -hmm. show me you wouldn't say that unless you had a real good idea of what has been said Mm -hmm. most athletes wouldn't have a clue so I, I so, agree with that. Most most wouldn't. Most wouldn't. Some, some definitely do. do. Some do. Some live in the media space, um, and Kevin Durant clearly does. Now, it's and and again, we can get into this this whole the the whole element of of Skip Bayless as how this applies. When when Giannis did the thing for the Daily Show, uh-huh. and and they had him, they loaded up the teleprompter with just with smack talk and they wanted Giannis just to unload and rip on guys and he couldn't do it. He got out one dig on Kevin Durant and Skip Bayless of all people took that one bit and said, oh, wow, this is just not fair to Kevin Durant. And, right. Just, and he didn't play the follow-up like we did right. where he was like apologizing right. and yeah, you're yeah. a great player. Making it seem obvious that it was a joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's exactly right. So, so again, this is the world that Kevin Durant lives in. Kevin Durant lives in this world World where no matter what he does, those trolls at the very top, ah, ah, they're on him uh-huh. constantly. And it's again, LeBron deals with this. There's a handful of athletes that deal with this. The, fu- the funny narrative also is that all this stuff happened over the summer. Kevin Durant chose to stay in Brooklyn and try to win there. It did not come up again until Kyrie Irving. That is correct. D- demanded a trade and, and blew up everything. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Durant is held to a different standard for for a lot of reasons. Some of them self created, uh, and a lot of the hot take shows are on it. And mm-hmm. we've had Rick Buecher on from FS1, and I always appreciate Rick Buecher's viewpoint on things. Yep. But listen to what he said in terms of criticism about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant needs a a relationship that teaches him what you have to respond to and what you just let go. Hmm. And that, for me, is what marriage taught me. What's really important? I only care about criticism. I, I'm aware of all criticism. Of course. 
But I have learned how to only respond and take seriously criticism from those I respect and from those who know me. And that, again, you get married or you have a significant other. And when they know you and they talk to you about issues that may exist, I listen to that. I've learned to listen to that. And I'm able to differentiate that from all of the other noise that you might get. Because everybody's got something to say. If they do. Especially in this world, right? If you have any sort of notoriety, any sort of presence, everybody wants to tell you how to do your business. (laughs) And we talked about it yesterday. The competitive part of me wants to answer every one of them. No, you got that wrong. Like, you don't know me, and that's where I have to remind myself. You don't know me. All right, reaction to that, Mick? Yeah, I, listen, I think it's quite an extreme example that some people are going to find absurd, but uh, but I do think that there's an element of truth to what he is saying, bottom line, about the the fact that choosing or not choosing to, to focus on, on the opinions of people that really don't matter, the, the opinions that are not going to be swayed, opinions that are not going to go away. Um, so even though I well, – even though I, while I think that what Rick Buecher said is fundamentally probably applicable, I, I, don't, I think Kevin Durant likes being in that space. I don't, I don't think this is something Kevin Durant does begrudgingly. Yeah, I mean, I can't sit here with a straight face and say, yeah, it's easy to just uh, you know take criticism and roll with it. I've never been that person. Right. I don't like it. So yeah. I, I can relate to Kevin Durant right. on that front. And I've been just the opposite. And Yeah, exactly. But, but it, And the difference is not as simple as I'm married and you're not. So I don't believe the idea of Kevin Durant has to get married. I think that's nonsensical. That is nonsensical. You know, Rick Buecher right. framed it in his own personal experience, right. and that's worked right. for him. But right. to apply that to another human that's being nonsensical. is ridiculous. It's nonsensical. But the but the point attached to it is not, and that is choosing to be bothered by the opinions of people who who don't have your best interests at heart. I don't know how. I mean, as recently as this season, you know, there's examples of Kevin Durant getting into it with people on Twitter. Yes, which most other athletes don't do. And, and I think Kevin Durant likes it. I, I, I really do. I don't think Kevin – Kevin Durant is not tormented by social media. He is engaged in social media. I just think it's who he is. I, I agree. And but, but I do think what's going to work for him, uh, what I really think is going to make this different, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's just the, the vibe of this fan base and the love that they're about to give this man. Uh, Kevin Durant's been through a lot of stuff. Um, he, he's played for a really good players coach and a really good organization in Golden State. But let's keep in mind something about his Golden State experience. Draymond Green. Do I need to elaborate? You're Kevin Durant, and you go to the 73-win Golden State Warriors, and you win a championship, and you're the finals MVP. You're going to hear from Draymond Green about, yeah, dude, don't think you're all that. We were we were just fine before you got here. In fact, I think those words did come out of Draymond Green's right. mouth. <laughs> that led probably and it to led the to the blow. It led to the exit. Yeah. So so internally, what the Warriors had was not, and what they have is not as pure as a lot of people want to paint it out to be. Okay, they've got an owner who's willing to spend gobs of money. They've got a very fundamentally decent head coach in Steve Kerr. They've got a real good organization. Okay, but but their internal stuff it's it's not necessarily the greatest. Kevin Durant is coming into a place that's never won a championship, haven't done squat in terms of championship banners prior to him. So it's different, and the teammates he's around are different. Mm-hmm. And and what he gets here might be everything he's ever been looking for.
It might be. We'll see. It might be. And, my and I'll tell you, the one thing that, and you know me, I, I, I respond, I, I, the one thing I don't want, and it's going to happen, it's just the slobbering goobernish, gooberishness that's going to come from element of media in this town around Kevin Durant. So when he comes to Phoenix next week to play his home opener, it's going to be amateur hour around here. I'd like there to be a degree of professionalism from a town that's dealt with Randy Johnson before, from a town that's had Kurt Schiller. You know what I mean? Jared's shaking his head saying that's impossible. Everyone's going to just be so excited. Well, and I, I get that, but the fans can be. I just, I would like I would like the rest yeah. of us to have an element of professionalism. You know, Jared is always going to shoot down the idea of professionalism. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. But, but, but the fans are going to be... Yeah. <laughs> but the fans in this town are going to be like kids because they are kids. Yes. It's going to be very and I'm, I'm all for that. Yes. That's what's going to make it different for Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I agree. And my advice to Kevin Durant in closing this conversation is in, in response to Rick Buecher, Kevin, marriage solves nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, Derek Carlin will take us through the big stories of the day and the Rush Hour reboots. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. All right, it is time for the Rush Hour Reboot, where we go through the top stories of the day. And Dan and Vince give their thoughts and opinions on it. And I am joined, of course, by the great Dan Bickley. Shut up, Jared! By the exceptional Vince Murata. Kevin! <laughs> and by myself, joined by myself. I agree with Vince. There you go. <laughs> Good new drop. How would you uh, how would you introduce Luke Lipinski if he was sitting in on the Rush Hour reboot? I would never introduce Luke Lipinski at any point. <laughs> Needs no introduction. But uh, big game tonight, game two of the Kevin Durant era in Phoenix. And he was very impressive in his first outing. What will he do in his second outing? And how will he look out there in the court? Well, Brian Windhorst of ESPN is very excited about the partnership of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker for the rest of the season. This marriage with Devin Booker makes so much more basketball sense than the one with Kyrie Irving. I never understood the decision to go with Kyrie. And I listened to the explanation about how they both had sort of won titles with players that you know they didn't get the full credit for and they kind of felt a kinship of that and all that. Fine. But that never made sense to me. The Booker partnership makes so much sense. They are both true lovers of basketball. They are generally no-nonsense guys. Booker is a better on-court fit for him because it applies so much pressure to the defense. And guys, they're excited about it. Is this the best fit slash partnership Kevin Durant has had in his career with another all-star? And where do that their duo of Booker Durant rank in the NBA right now? All right, uh, the la- the the latter question first. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. I-, I think if you were going to add up where they were in the NBA in terms of where they rank, uh, KD is probably three, maybe somewhere around there. Book is top ten. I'm not sure you're going to find another two players with a lower aggregate score if you add up where they are in the NBA pantheon. Am I wrong about that? No. Are there more decorated teammates? So I think as a duo goes, I'm ranking them number one. 
Paul has, George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I'm still right. Uh, Steph and yeah, Clay. Paul George and Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard, y- you can say he's a championship level player, but he's he's not Kevin Durant. No. Okay, so I, to, to answer your back half of the question, I think they're number one. What was the first part of so the question? So whether or not this is the best yeah, that okay. he's ever had. Him and I, Westbrook, I him and Curry. I don't, I don't know about that. Harden. I, I, don't, I don't know how to answer that yet. I will say this, though. The one thing that Brian Windhorst said that really resonated with me and people who've been watching KD their whole lives, there was something in his face after that first game. There's a contentment, a happiness yeah. that you generally don't see if they're the guy. No, uh, I can't answer that question. The answer to that is no. Right now, it's no. It's not the best fit for Kevin Durant. We've seen one game. He won two championships with Steph Curry. That worked out pretty well. They made a finals, and if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, they win a third championship together. That's true. Uh, so that was the best fit. I, I don't have any problem ranking these guys as the top duo right now. I just find it interesting that after the discussion we had about Rick Buecher suggesting marriage, Brian Windhorst used the term marriage to describe the partnership between Kevin Booker and Kevin Durant. Wow. There it is. Love he's, is in the he, air, He's baby. married. The work, the work wife or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the work husband. Yeah. Uh, what do you think Durant's uh, minutes and stats are going to look like tonight? I believe we're going to see probably a little bit of an increase in minutes played. I'm going to go 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'll up it by one, 24 points. I the will... thing to watch might be Devin Booker, the last time he played the Chicago Bulls, Bick, he had 51 Bulls. points in three quarters. Remember Bulls. that game? Bulls. Bulls. I don't remember that game. I'm sure I could if I think back. Yeah, that's Didn't right. play a second in the fourth quarter. quarter. That's right. That's right. Yep. Uh, He's I coming think... after 71 tonight. I love it. That would be fantastic. I think, I think Kevin Durant's going to play 27 minutes and 38 seconds, and I think he's going <laughs> to score 35 points. Whoa. Wow. That would be the number on the jersey. Yes, 27, 38. That's oddly specific. Oh, I did that just to <laughs> fantastic. Well, I mean, mock the, very, the nature of this question. You, know, get, you called right. me out for being oddly specific. Right. right. Yeah, I know. Call me out on it. I should be. <laughs> All right. Uh... ASU with a disappointing loss last night. They hung tough in the first half, but wound up losing by 18 points to UCLA in uh, college basketball. At this point, uh, ASU is 20 and 10. They're 11 and 8 in the Pac-12. What does ASU need to do at this point to make the tournament? Uh, they need to get in a time machine, go back to last night, and play a better second is it down, half against UCLA. Is, so, so is it down? Did they have no, to win the tournament? Too, no, the I, think, I don't think so. I think if they beat USC, I think they should have enough to be in. USC has played very well uh, since they've gotten healthy. They lost last night. USC would still be a good win. Obviously wouldn't have the same impact that beating UCLA would have. But if you can beat USC and win a game... In, in the Pac-12 tournament, mm-hmm. 22 wins at that point. You're in. You, you you better be in. I mean, we always say that about ASU, and then something happens. I know. Yeah, That's they, they, what, they I know. Don't get that kind of national respect, but yeah, that, beating beating USC is a big step in the right it would, direction. It would be so awful if that miracle heave from Des Cambridge ends up meaning nothing. Yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> a loop. Please make it make it mean something, not just pain for me. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Finally, uh, we talked about how uh, sort of Skip Bayless took the Giannis's jokes about Kevin Durant out of context and misrepresented them and all that. Uh, Hassan Minaj, who's been filling in on the Daily Show this week, talked about the problems that uh, modern athletes deal with in uh, today's sports media. 
Skip is perpetuating the very same reason why professional athletes don't go on any of these shows. You know what I mean? They've created a dynamic where you gotta go full Darth Maul in order to be a former athlete that does media. You gotta go full Draymond Green, Kendrick Perkins, to camera. I'll be like, I'll kick you in the nuts. And the producers are like, yeah, more, do more of that. Or be a normal person, right? That's why all the athletes are like, you know, I'm just going to just keep doing my thing and just completely ignore you guys. What is it that bothers you most about the way current sports media covers sports? Yeah, it's a great question. I could go on for hours about this, but but I do the the you know, and it, to me, it's at the national level. It's the agenda driven hot takes targeting individual players for clickbait reasons. That's that to me is that 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 to me is where all of it gets derailed. Yeah, I thought that question was going in a different direction. Uh, I thought you were going to say what bothers you the most about Skip Bayless. Oh, I, we don't have enough time. No, for the show. I mean it's we're almost halfway through a four hour show. But I was mm-hmm. going to nominate the turtleneck necklace combo that he rocks. I'm just not a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan <laughs> of that either. But Big's not a good look. Big's answer is is correct. And there was an incident yesterday that that went viral. That happened on ESPN, not involving Skip Bayless, but Michael Kay was sitting in on first take with Stephen A. Smith, and the question posed to him as a New York media member by Stephen A. Smith and Molly Karam was, who's the next New York team that's going to win a championship? And he thought about it. He's the voice of the Yankees. Mm-hmm. He said the New York Rangers. And the response from Molly and Stephen A. was, they don't count, that's hockey. People lost their minds. Yeah, as they should. And rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, with, without a doubt. See, to me, what, what gets me mad is when I watch Stephen A., when I watch Skip Bayless, I see an anger expressed towards national teams that just doesn't make sense to me. I get mad at our local teams because I'm emotionally invested in them. Yes. Because we live, they're You're our so right. teams. There was a clip that went semi-viral a couple weeks ago of Mad Dog Russo on one of the ESPN shows standing in front of the camera and yelling at the top of his lungs about Hubert Davis and the North Carolina Tar Heels yes. and their struggles this year. And my reaction was, there's no way he cares that that's much about what, that's this. That's it. That's it. And I just, I, I think authenticity matters yes. and a lot of people don't. And, and these shows don't care a whit about authenticity. Keep it local, people. Yeah. That's right. The local Local sports sports leader. Absolutely. And you've been rebooted. Thank you, Jarrett. Well done. Thank you. I mean, you're no Sarah Cazell, but that was not bad. And I got to tell you, your updates today are awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, wait. You're not doing that. I screwed up again, and I missed the start of one of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Are you doing a kebab today, too? Yeah, kebab. Right. Social studies coming up. No song parody, right? No. Okay, good. Could you do one of those for us? What would you like? I'll come <laughs> you, up with you, you would do that. <laughs> you would do that. You know when I very, very, very first started doing it, and I don't even remember, it was on like a, I can't remember what show it was even on. I did them live. Wow. Like I didn't record them. Like the first two I ever did, I did live. Wow. Man, I'm sure those went well. No. Do you have audio of those? I No, I don't think the vlogger goes back that long, but uh, yeah. 
And we know you don't archive your own stuff. <laughs> Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Uh, you can win lower-level tickets to see Kevin Durant's first home game as a son. Just text KD to 620-620. We had an issue earlier. It's been, uh, it's been ironed out. So you can still text KD to 620-620. Get entered for your chance to win lower-level tickets to see the Suns play the Thunder on March 8th. And two Kevin Durant jerseys. That's KD to 620-620. Coming up next, we'll hit some NFL hash marks. Bickley and Murata mornings on Friday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. I would say a lot of people would say the same thing. It's a challenging position to evaluate in different ways. Um, I don't have a, if I had an answer, that means I would probably have some better receivers, I guess. Um, we keep trying. You know, I think there's a lot of things that go along with that position. Sometimes it's, it is tied to the quarterback. Um, and I think it's tied to things like durability. It's tied to, you know, a lot of things. Um, we're going to keep swinging. You know, uh, there have been some guys that, you know, have been successful players for us that were draft picks. Uh, we've never really hit on that all-pro type of guy, which is disappointing, I would say. But it's not for lack of effort. We believe in what we do. We believe in our scouting. We believe in the system that we have, the scouting system that we have. Um, it's one of those anomalies that I really can't explain other than to say we're not going to stop trying. We're going to keep trying. If we've drafted, I don't know, Chad would probably know, but probably at least five or six receivers in the last four years, maybe. Um, we're going to just keep swinging. And, and hopefully at one of these points, we'll hit the ball out of the park. It's Eric DaCosta at the NFL Combine. He is the general manager of the Baltimore Ravens. Speaking in fact there, they haven't hit on an all-pro type of wide receiver. That didn't go over well by one of his receivers. No. <laughs> to one of his receivers. Yeah. Uh, Rashad Bateman, second-year player, uh, was a high draft pick by the uh, Ravens. Uh, first round, 27th overall in the 2021 draft. But he... Uh, quote tweeted um, that quote from uh, Sarah Ellison put it out on Twitter and Rashad Bateman posted how about you play to your players strength and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight Lamar Jackson blame the one you let do this we take heat 24 7 and keep us healthy care about us and see what happens ain't no promises though tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason <laughs> well oh, in yeah. that cut DaCosta talked about durability Rashad Bateman has not been the most durable guy. He had 15 catches last year, played in only six games, started five. So when they drafted him number one, they had expectations. He's not met those expectations. Well, and again, what Rashad Bateman is saying is is true. It's it's the very reason Marquise Hollywood Brown wanted out of there. And was the system that they employ is not good for wide receivers. And Hollywood reacted to uh, Bateman's tweet, which by the way was deleted. And of course, Bateman then uh, posted. My apologies with like a hugging emoji. Yeah, just uh, the same thing with the Eagles defensive player who who lashed out at Jonathan Gannon, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, then put us in better positions to make plays if you want to give up less points in a Super Bowl. Oops, I'm sorry, coach. Didn't mean to say that. <laughs> uh, this is uh, to me. I think this is one of the fundamental things about the NFL, and what one of the th- one of the reasons why Cliff Kingsbury, for all his failures, had a a, a good deal of player support is a, a, at the very least he never lost sight of the fact that it's about them. It's not about the coaches. We, we know this because the sport has been so top heavy in terms of glorifying coaches for many many years. That's beginning to change across football, particularly mm-hmm. in. 
college football. The tyrannical, autocratic screamers, they're not really welcome in football anymore. You know what I mean? The guys who take all the credit themselves, you got to be real careful with that in this modern age. And and this is what I'm talking about. Players are, are not players are not dealing well with coaches who, who act like they've got all the answers and it's always the player's fault. Uh-huh. You're seeing more and more and more of that. And and inevitably, these players always come out and apologize or scrub the thing because it gets back to, hey, don't, don't do that, man. That's, you look like you're being disrespectful to authority, even though you might be right. Even though that coach might be a jackass, you're disrespecting the chain of command. You can't yeah. do it. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL. Oh, we're getting more and more details. Aaron Rodgers from the darkness. Emerging from the oh, darkness. Oh, we do? Yeah. He, uh, he, you're not going to believe this. He did, right. a, he did a podcast. <laughs> wow. The Aubrey Marcus podcast. i got to tell you something about this podcast. First of all, it's an hour and 38 minutes yes. of these two guys. And it is Blathering. just... Blathering is a nice way to put it. Yeah. It is just, it's like being trapped at the worst party ever and with two just like bloviating yeah. blowhards. In an unprecedented move, we're going to play all one hour and 38 no. minutes. Oh, no. We're, I, I'm going to play a, take minute, us right up to the a minute 19 yeah, right? of this. Uh, here's Aaron Rodgers and what the darkness retreat, what it did for him and his contemplative process. Self? Yes. By the time you go through, you know, your breakfast and. Uh, meditation and bath and stuff you got a good 12 11 12 hours to like just think in the quiet just you and your thoughts and a lot of insecurity and fear came up around what retirement looks like that i hadn't really acknowledged or uh even thought was there i thought i'm mm-hmm. fine you know i got you know, i got my foundation i got uh, you know, philanthropic stuff I want to be a part of. I got business stuff that I've been cultivating for years now. Um, I have, you know, dreams outside the game. I want to travel. I want to, uh, you know, get my body, you know, back and not wake up hurting, you know, and all these different thoughts that I, th- mm-hmm. that I thought was like my justification. I'll be totally fine. I got friendships. I got, you know, I got lots of land next to best friends and, mm-hmm. and well, life to experience and hopefully fatherhood and kids and all these different things. But there were some deep insecurities and fears that, that came up in the darkness around what retirement uh, is. And, and I really had to sit with those and then go to the root of what those are. So after five or six hours of kind of going through that, I, I found a really nice sweetness and comfort in the reality that I was sitting with that day, which was retirement mm-hmm. and what that would look like. But uh, did you make a decision? I mean, the whole point of this was to make some sort of decision. You right? only thought about it for 12 straight hours. I mean, Give them some way, time. That sounds horrible to anybody who's a, a halfway normal <laughs> individual thinking, having your brain moving for 12 straight hours. In silence and by the way, and Did you have to go away for four days to sit in the dark to, to, to come to terms with something that everybody has fears about? Thank you. Goodness Thank gracious, you. he's yeah. nauseating. He is. He's the only one to encounter these kind of heavy existential questions. I can't wait to release my podcast. It's six hours long. Uh-huh. I'm going to talk about all my anxiety about what ha- what happens after sports radio. <laughs> so <laughs> and, so and it, the big, that hour uh, 38, was it like that? Yes, that was oh. that was it was worse than that. And you listened to the whole thing? I no, luckily it, it had the thing where it was like sectioned off by topic. Okay. All right. But one one of the things also from it that people are are taking is he said essentially uh 
you know, that he's not an attention. No, not here, here starved was, for attention. Here was a quote. Uh, there's a finality to the decision. I don't make it lightly. I don't want to drag anybody around. I'm answering questions about it because I got asked about it. I'm talking about it because it's important to me. If you don't like it and you think it's drama and you think I'm being a diva or whatever, then just tune it out. <laughs> Man. Yeah, he's uh, he's something, isn't he? I mean, just think like how little that guy would fit in in Green Bay, Wisconsin, among among that actual fan base. Like he feels like he's just such a. Okay, you bring you bring up something very, very, very interesting to me. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, for as great as he's been, for as long as he's been great, he still will never be as popular as the guy he replaced. Brett Favre had a terrible ending in Green Bay. He is still more popular to the, your general Wisconsin and night, whatever they are, the general Wisconsin resident that Aaron Rodgers is. How, how does he reconcile that? How, how do you be the player that Aaron Rodgers thinks he is, and he clearly thinks a lot of himself, yes. and knows I still don't measure up to the guy that had this before? Uh, Robert Sar- Sarver dealt with that with Jerry Colangelo, yes. and not well, I might add. Yes. Uh, on a Brett Favre front, I was flipping through the channels yesterday, and there's something about Mary was on, which still is a tremendous movie. Mm-hmm. But there's that line with Brett Favre's appearance, and he becomes a character in the show, mm-hmm. and the character Norm slash Tucker says, Brett, he was like a choir boy. He was perfect. <laughs> he was like a Boy Scout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that didn't age well. That was definitely early in his career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes, it was. Right. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. You dumbass. So, I, so again, I, I, don't, I don't know what the ending is going to look like for Aaron Rodgers, but there, there have got to be teams that look at him and go, oh, we need that quarterback, but then they look at the dude and go, do we really want this? Is he good enough anymore yes. to put up with this? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I think the answer is probably I, leaning towards no. Coming up next, uh, we've reached the halfway point of the Friday extravaganza. Bix kicking off the second half with the blast. Next, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.